This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. So today on Your Next Step, we have a special treat, and that treat is my wife Jennifer is teaching. Now, you need to know this really fits with Thanksgiving week because uh, in Thanksgiving week, we tend to be worried about the details and we can miss out on the relationship. And Jennifer today is going to unpack Mary of Bethany. And, and the real question that Jennifer is going to delve into is, do I serve Jesus or do I serve others? Do I try to please Jesus or do I please others? See, you and I have this test this week. Are we going to worry about Thanksgiving and getting all the details done? Or are we just going to say, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of the details to get the things I need to get done, but to see you? See, this is Thanksgiving week, and we want to be thankful, and we want to really, really, really lean into God and to receive from Him. So today on Your Next Step, I want you to pray about and listen as Jennifer teaches about Mary of Bethany, and hey, she's going to invite you to deliberate. She's going to say, I want you to think about what you're doing with your life and what's God inviting you to. And I'm telling you, this is the perfect week for this discussion. It's about real people like you and I leaning into following Jesus, listening to Jesus, sitting at his feet and celebrating him. So listen as Jennifer, my beautiful wife, shares with you the word of God today. I'm excited to share God's Word with you. This morning, I'm going to be talking about one of the lesser-known women of the Bible. In fact, she doesn't even have a name. And her passage, the passage we're reading, is pretty short, but it is power-packed. Her name, I'm going to call her the Syrophoenician woman, or she might be better known as the Canaanite woman. Let's read in Matthew 15. So if you have your Bible app, your church app, or your Bible, whichever is your preferred method, then we'll turn to Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that your spirit would flow through this room freely, that every person under the sound of my voice would not see me or hear me, but that they would see, see you and hear you. 
I pray that our hearts and minds would be open fully to what the Word of God has to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen. The Syrophoenician woman, it's interesting where we open up this story, just a little piece of background. So before we start reading this story in Matthew, what had happened right before this was a story you may be very familiar with. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus had taken five loaves and two fish from a tiny little boy and fed multitudes of people. It was miraculous, and everybody noted it. And in fact, that story is told in all four Gospels. It was that prominent in the disciples' life. And so as you think about that, this is where it says then, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew. Have you ever been in a large stadium full of people? Maybe it was a football game, a basketball game, a concert of some kind, and you left there, and in your mind you said, I am so exhausted. And that's how Jesus felt. That's why he moved away. That's why he withdrew into some other cities so he could get away from the crowds a little bit and get a rest. He was God in the flesh. So he experienced everything that we do within our physical bodies. And here he is, tired and worn out, withdrawing from the crowds, and this sneaky little woman finds him. She finds him. And I can imagine, you know, he's tired, she's desperate. It's not a great combination, right? Her dilemma, though, is that she is desperately seeking help for her daughter, desperately. I don't know about you, you know, Miss Jennifer told you I have seven kids and that's why I say Miss Jennifer because that's what we call her to the seven kids. <laughs> and she told you that and my, um, my dilemma, you know, when I had my first child, I didn't know not only do you birth a child, but there is something else that is birthed along with it. And you know, I'm a middle child myself, one out of nine, I'm right in the middle, almost right in the middle, fourth from the bottom. So, you know, I was always the negotiator and the mediator as the middle child. And so I have a pretty calm, you know, even um, personality for the most part. And when I became a mother, something happened. Now, I'm not going to say I snapped, but this thing that was birthed in me was this fierce, protective nature that I never knew existed, and I call it mama bear mode. And any parent in here, you know what I'm talking about. If someone crosses the line in what you think is best for your child, you are so there, right? And that's where this mother was. That's where she was, the Syrophoenician woman. She is in this mode of mama bear. Her daughter is 12 years old, and she wants a cure for her daughter. We don't know what this oppression was. We don't know if the oppression was maybe um, how the demon exhibited itself. Perhaps it was a bipolar disorder. Maybe it was a seizure disorder. Maybe even it was some type of physical ailment. The Bible doesn't tell us, but all we know is that she was done. It was time for this to be over. She was a mad mama and she was in a manic mode. She also had meager resources. Where I grew up in the hills of West Virginia, we would say that she was from the wrong side of the tracks. Um, she, she didn't have really much of a name to herself as a seer Phoenician woman, and Jesus didn't even answer this woman when she approached him. 
Now, many people of the day would have thought, well, that's just because of where she came from. She didn't deserve to be answered. But that wasn't the case at all, at all. And it's not common in scripture for Jesus just to not answer someone. And so it makes us think we need to, you know, say, why are you ignoring this woman? And our thoughts kind of go to that same thing in our own lives. Why are you ignoring me, God? But there was something more to this. Her prayers were not getting answered. She goes to him. She didn't have any prestige. She had no prominence. She had no resources, but she finds a way to get to Jesus. And I like to think about this just a little bit. You know, I'm a strategist. I really do a lot of planning. I like, I like to be a planner, but sometimes you forget the details. And for this woman, don't you think what the most important thing would have been for her to take with her if she's gonna seek healing for her daughter? She goes to Jesus and whoops, she forgot the daughter at home. And I like to relate to her in that way because I know none of you have ever done this. But you know, one time my dad left one of us at church and he never forgot it because we never let him forget it. And that's just what happens when you really love someone. Sometimes you get a little bit forgetful. But she kept focused on the most important part, which was coming to Jesus. And in spite of all of that, her heart's belief was that Jesus was the Son of God and he could heal her daughter. Because she had a dilemma, she also had a deliberation. What was this? This was a choice she could make. And I want you to think about this really carefully, and I'm going to read it twice because it's so important. When God gave me this statement, she could accept defeat and remain complacent, or she could risk ridicule and experience hope. She was coming to Jesus in front of his disciples in spite of the fact that he had withdrawn from the crowds. And you can imagine it was a bit intimidating for her as a woman and as a a Syrophoenician woman, an area of town that wasn't accepted to be from. Those two things were against her. They were completely against her, and yet she did not allow those to stop her. She had this choice. She could experience defeat and remain complacent, or she could risk ridicule and experience hope. Now, I want to be very purposeful in giving three things. If you look at verse 25, in her mode of desperation, she had these three things. Verse 25 says, but... And I had an old pastor that used to always tell me, anytime you see see the word but, you need to stop and think about what it's there for. What is the but about? And that means in spite of all that was going on, in spite of all against her, she came and knelt before Jesus and said, Jesus, help me. She acted with purpose. I could stop right there and talk for quite a while about how much she needed to do, but how much would it help us in our lives today when we're looking at a pivotal decision that we have to make and we would say just those three simple words, Jesus, help me. Because of her deliberation, she also, in this choice, experienced a delivery, right? She persevered and encountered peace because Jesus saw her faith. We have to understand the choices she made. She moved past racial differences. She exhibited and chose the faith lesson that Jesus was giving her. She persisted in his presence. 
What does all of that mean for us today? We too have a dilemma. We live in desperate times and we're all searching for answers. If you think about how, much, how many searches are made, what, no matter what search engine is your choice, either on your phone or your laptop or your tablet, how many searches are made every day for answers? We're all searching for answers for various things. And I don't know if your dilemma today is because you're searching for an answer from disappointment or discouragement, or depression, or divorce. I don't know your particular situation, but I can tell you that you have a choice. Our deliberation today is the very same deliberation that the Syrophoenician woman could make. She could either accept defeat and remain complacent, or we can risk ridicule and experience hope. I want to tell you, you know, a little bit of what I know about deciding to risk ridicule and experience hope, and even more so just really believing God at his word. Uh, I do have seven children, and one of my children is Taylor, who is 21 years old. She has a rare metabolic disorder called mucopolysaccharidosis. When you tell the doctors the diagnosis, they say, say what? They don't even know what the diagnosis is. And most of the time they will excuse themselves to go look it up on their phone so that they can come back in the room to talk about it. There is no cure or treatment for her disease. She is 21, you can give the Lord a praise, a shout for that. 10 to 15 years, this is her life expectancy and at 21 she is still living. However, God will probably call her home very soon to heaven, her healing will not be experienced on this earth, most likely. And some of you are in that same situation. You want what the Seraphonician woman had. You want that immediate healing. You're looking towards your deliverance and you want it so badly. But God has not answered your prayer instantaneously as he healed the Seraphonician woman's daughter in this moment. I'm still learning lessons lessons in the presence of Jesus. For 21 years, I've been learning those lessons. And I've been maybe where you are right now, where I just begged God and said, Lord, if you will heal her, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And God was kind of saying back to me, what if I don't heal her? Do you love me enough to do whatever I want you? to do. You see, God wants to do so much more than give us the answer to our prayers. He wants to give us himself. And he is our delivery. This Seraphonician woman, she experienced faith that moved mountains. But there's something that this particular passage doesn't teach us, and that's that not only does faith move mountains, but it climbs mountains and it walks through valleys. Listen to Psalm 23, one to four. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close 
beside me. You can experience delivery today, and it may not be the delivery that you're expecting or that you're holding close in your heart and hoping for that healing from a loved one who has cancer or hoping for that deliverance to a new job or deliverance from addiction, whatever those hopes are that you're taking to the Lord and you're saying, God, please answer them now. I want to be healed. And he is not answering you. And that's because he loves you too much to give you exactly what you want when you want it. He longs for you to draw close to him, to come in his presence, and to do what this woman did, where you can experience all of these things from Psalm 23. Your strength can be renewed. He wants you to come before him and just say, Lord, please help me. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share with us about the Syrophoenician woman. And now as we've talked about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley, the long valleys that we experience, whether it be depression, whether it be disappointments, whether it be divorce, whether it be disease, Whatever that valley is for these people today, I pray that now as Jennifer comes, you would empower her to continue this word and that we would further experience what you have for us. And we praise you and thank you. Thank you, Rachel. You know, Mary was the most popular name, I think, in 33 AD, kind of like Jennifer and Brian in 1972. <laughs> I think about Mary. There's six Marys in the Bible, and Miriam also means Mary in Hebrew. So you have all of these Marys. The Mary that we're going to look at today, her name is Mary of Bethany. Now, don't confuse her with the Mary in Luke 7. That Mary also sat at Jesus' feet, and she was the sinful woman. The woman we're looking at today is Mary of Bethany, and she was totally devoted. I like to call her the poured out one. She, she's mentioned in all four Gospels, and her sister is Martha. Her brother is Lazarus. They have a really close-knit family. They work really hard. They're super social. They like to entertain. They know all of the Galilean Jews, and their house sits in Bethany. It's a twin city, Bethpage and Bethany. I call it the saddle. So you have Mount Scopus, the saddle, Bethany, Bethpage, and the Mount of Olives. And so from the Mount of Olives, you have the Palm Sunday ride that we're gonna celebrate next week, all the way to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So from her kitchen window, she would have been able to see the smoke rising on the daily sacrifices that were being made at the temple to our awesome God. So you have to imagine this scene when Mary and Martha are preparing a big party at their home. There's lots of hustle and bustle, busy times, and they are inviting Jesus. They're inviting the King of Kings. You know, they live in a day where uh, people traded their children to get out of debt. It's a brutal world. And Mary hears that there's a man named Jesus, and he's humble, and he's kind, he loves children, and he's coming to her house. She decides... I am going to give him my complete attention. 
So what we want to look at today, there's three things I want you to look for. Mary leads the way in how to go to Jesus for instruction, how to go to Jesus for comfort, and how to go to Jesus for acts of service. And here we see the first one. She's going to Jesus for instruction. Three times we find her at his feet. So she is at his feet in the midst of all this busyness, and she is learning from him. She is receiving from him. And she decides, she has a dilemma. Am I going to please him or am I going to please Martha? Who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve Jesus? He's finally in my home. Or am I going to rush around and do all of this stuff? And so she, she's here, she's at his feet, and she has teaching us about the audience of one. The audience of one. While she's there, Martha's reprimanding her quite harshly, like, why are you doing this? And the last thing she wants to do is cook and clean, right? And Jesus defends her. So this is the first time of two times he publicly defends her. And he says, listen, she has chosen what is better. It doesn't mean that the other stuff isn't okay or good, but what she's chosen is better. And so he defends her. And here she is at his feet. She's listening and learning. And You know, it says in Matthew 6, 5, that we could go into a closet and talk to our Father in secret, and He knows everything we need. That's what Mary was doing. She decided, I'm going to report to you. You are in charge of my life. I'm not listening to all the pleasing, all the voices, everything that everybody else wants me to do. It's all about you, Jesus. So that's the first thing. She went to Him for instruction. So Let's read the scripture there before we move on. This is her deliberation. Could she hurry and worry or she could sit? She could wait and listen. Luke 10, 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But few things are needed. He, Jesus simplifies everything. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. You know, I used to think it was just a personality style. I, I personally love to be busy. I, I'm not proud of that or anything. I like to hurry. I like to rush. I like to be loud. I like to talk a lot. I thought this was a personality style. I just thought maybe Mary likes to sit still. I can't stand to sit still. Don't make me sit still. Maybe she's just an introvert. Maybe Martha's our only friend. I don't know. Mary, that's just her personality. But I realized over time Mary chose this path. This was a spiritual decision that she made. And it wasn't personality style or gender specific. Jesus taught it to her. He led the way in humility and how to spend time together. You know, all of you do this. You do this and we just don't realize it. I I think about having dinner with my adult children. One of my favorite things to do, I recently made chicken piccata, Greek salad, and iced tea and I'm getting hungry, I don't know about you. But we sat down at the table together and I just wanted to hear the stories. I just wanted to listen to them. I just wanted to be with them. And if they only knew how much I love them, right? Miss part of the show today and wanna hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. Now is a great time for us just to stop and pray. You know, we've been thinking about God and His Word, but it's it's no good if we don't apply it. So let's take a moment and let's pray. Let's invite God into the situation. 
You know, when we pray, we need to pray for our employers to lead well. So let's do that today. Lord, we, we, we thank you that you teach us in your word that we can either love you or we can love mammon. And, and God, we do not want to love mammon. And in our world, we have these, these leaders, these people that employ. They are, they are big companies and small companies and small businesses. And this is our prayer. This is our prayer that they would lead well, that they would seek you and not money, not profit, not the bottom line. Lord, our economy right now needs to be transformed and, and, and we need leaders, people that own businesses that can see through this to help us. Lord, we need people to go back to work and to work well. And so we need these leaders to to welcome the employees and train the employees, but we need the employees to submit and to work together in this. So Lord, this is what we're praying. We're praying for the leaders of industry, the leaders of businesses, the people that have the power to employ, to be wise and have discernment. Jesus, you talked about the, the people that employed people, they went out early in the day, the middle of the day, and late in the day. May the people that have the power to employ go out throughout the day. May we begin to see our businesses flourish under your authority and under your name. We pray that we would begin to see new jobs created and people desire to do their jobs and go to work wholeheartedly and that they would be paid well, that the economy would do well. And so today we pray for the employers to employ well, to set up systems well, and that people would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. You know, as a pastor, as, as your pastor, I want you to know one of the most powerful things you can do and I can do is pray together. And I'd like for you to begin to join me in prayer every day. And so we've created a free prayer guide, but you have to go to our website, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email address and you can download the ebook. It's for you, but it's also to begin to grow in prayer. It's the best thing that'll ever happen to you. Go to yournextstepnow.com and give us your email address and get your prayer guide today. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. 
We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.